love YouTube. I listen to music. I FaceTime my grandparents. I do video games. I make many videos. I watch movies. I like to text my friends. Welcome to the Techno Panic Podcast. Here are your co-hosts, Ian O'Byrne and my mom, Kristen Turner. Hey everyone, welcome to the Techno Panic Podcast. My name is Ian O'Byrne. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Kristen Turner. Uh, So Kristen, this week I wanted to talk a little bit with you about sharing. Um, We use a lot of social media. Do you share things about your kids online? Of course I do. I'm a parent who is very proud of my children and grandparents live in other states and family and friends live across the country and across the world. And I want to share what's happening with my amazing kids, with um, their family and friends who don't live near us. So one of the reasons why I'm asking is I've been reading a lot about this concept of sharenting, um, which is basically a play on words of parenting and sharing. And so it's basically a description of how parents use social media to share photographs, videos, and information about their children. And many times we're doing this without the permission or input of the child. We might be sharing photos of them as babies before they can even speak, and we just regularly share this stuff out. Do you feel like you share it? Do you have a policy, a personal policy or a policy in your house about this topic? Great question, because I started sharing my children with their family members before they were born. I started a blog that was only shared with a couple of people. But then after they were born, I realized that there were more people that wanted to know about my children. So I moved that blogging space into Facebook and I shared on Facebook. And then I started an open blog and I've been writing on my blog since they were very young about being their mother and being a working mother. So when you asked me that question about sharenting, sure. from they basically from the time they were born and even before that have what I would call a digital footprint that I have created for them because I've been writing about them. So a couple of years ago I had an aha moment when I was posting pictures and and things about my children to my social media accounts that they actually should have some say in what gets put out there about what I'm sharing. And so I started asking them, is it okay if I share? And this aha moment actually came because I saw a family member sharing something that kind of made me go, oh, I don't know if I want that going beyond my closed group. And the family member was in my closed group, but then shared it more broadly with their group. And so I was kind of like, I'm not sure I want that going so far. And then I realized, well, what if my kids don't even want it going beyond just my, my husband and me and their grandparents. So maybe I should start talking to them. So now before I post a picture or something about them, I do ask their permission. It is a challenge because we are educators. We are researchers. We do a lot in digital spaces the two of us speak for myself. I spent a lot of time thinking about what I share, what I create. I spent a lot of time thinking about and polishing my digital identity. When my first child was born, 
we would share photos out. When my daughter was born, my second child, we shared photos. I shared photos of her pretty much instantaneously on social media. And as a parent, I was very proud. And I wanted to share that with the with my friends and family and related associates. And I would go to professional conferences and I would have colleagues that would say, hey, I really... I love seeing photos of your kids. I love watching them grow up. Some of these colleagues, I would say, my wife is much better at sharing photos of my kids than I am. So I would indicate that they should friend my wife on social media as opposed to me. But now that I think about it, I, I wonder, I give myself that privilege of thinking deeply about my digital identity, what I share, what I do not share, how I represent myself online, try to ensure my privacy and security. I have taken away that privilege from my kids. And so that's part of my concern is that if my son or daughter want to have a different identity online, if they want to share a lot online or not share online, I have effectively taken away that privilege from them. I think that's a really important reflection for both of us to have had as parents. I do want to define two terms that we have used in this conversation. The first was digital footprint, and then the second was digital identity. Could you speak to what those are and why they are important? So the digital identity, I see it as a representation of yourself online. We spend a lot of time, some of us, uh, spend a lot of time picking out the, the right clothes and the right haircut. Strangely, I did spend a lot of time this morning thinking about how I would present myself to the world this morning. Uh, but we spend a lot of time thinking about our clothes and our haircut and our shoes and the way we look and act and present ourselves. I think that we also have that sort of representation online. So there are different things that we can do to present ourselves or present an identity or create an identity in a digital space. Some of this is just what we share on Facebook or our identity on Facebook. For some of us, we choose not to use Facebook. We'll use Instagram or Snapchat or LinkedIn or Twitter. But we have when we appear online or in digital spaces, digital social spaces, we have ways that we can present how we look. So it might be just something as simple as your icon or your photo or your profile photo or your avatar. It could be the information that you share in Facebook about where you went to school, where you live, who your friends are, the different privacy settings. So there's different ways all of that information goes to your digital identity, helps create that. Just the same way I would add that the types of shoes you wear and the clothes you wear and the way you present as you walk out in the quote-unquote real world. So identity is partly how we view ourselves, but it's also partly how others view us. And the same way online that we can view ourselves in a certain way, but others are also viewing us in a certain way. And I talk a lot with my pre-service teachers about professional identity versus their social personal identity. And I think about that as a professional who uses social media for a more personal venue as well. When am I professor? Turner, and when am I just Kristen? Um, and so thinking about what I'm sharing and who I'm sharing it with, but allowing those two identities to blend in the digital space kind of creates this almost bigger, fuller picture of who I might be to everyone who's viewing me in my face-to-face -face spaces too. So then that's identity. How about, what's this thing about footprint? 
So when we, uh, a colleague of mine in a research presentation one time, I was talking about digital footprint or the breadcrumbs we leave behind as, as we sort of interact in digital spaces. He said that what we're really looking at is, and this is very technical, very geeky, but he said, basically you already went through this digital space and we're looking at the residue you leave behind. So as you go on Facebook and you share things, as you go on Twitter and share things, if you go into um, uh, Instagram and you like or favor other people's content, you're leaving breadcrumbs behind. You're leaving a footprint behind. So you're interacting in a digital space and you're leaving a lot of these things behind. They are links you share, things that you like, things that you favorite, and all of that is sort of debris left behind as you move through the digital space and you interact with others. So it's kind of like when you walk through the mud and you leave a footprint. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, uh, sometimes we see this, imagine you're going through the mall and you see the end of the day, you have like credit card receipts in your pocket and you think about what you ate while you're there and you had that pretzel from the stand. Um, So we're looking at things that you do as you go through the digital space. And that also is a part of your digital identity. We can make decisions about you and and you actively make decisions about your identity based upon things you share, groups that you're part of, things that you like, things that you favorite. And all of that goes to the type of person you are. So people can look at you after the fact and say, oh, well, you're a fan of this political group or you go eat at this type of restaurant and you share this type of content. You are this type of person. And this becomes important when people start Googling you or searching for you and they are going to see all these breadcrumbs, all of these things that you have left on the internet and make a decision about who you are and perhaps whether they want to hire you. And this is really interesting because my daughter came home from school uh, yesterday and started giving me this, it wasn't a quiz, it was some kind of challenge. Do I want to hire this person or that person? And she read me information about the person and then she showed me they were fake, but some fake digital footprints of these two people that showed that the things that she had originally read me, which was the application letter for the job, were in actuality lies. And I learned that by looking at the digital footprint. Um, And she was really fascinated and thought this was really interesting in thinking about digital footprints. So she came at it from the perspective of what am I putting out there as an individual to create a digital footprint that will allow someone to judge who I am or my identity. Yet what we're talking about here is the fact that we are actually creating a footprint for our kids without their permission, their knowledge, or even any understanding of what the privacy issues might be. So is this is this a thing? Is this something we should really be digging into? Is it something we should start panicking about? Well, the thing is that we just talked about how we make decisions about how we want to be represented online. All of us are human beings for the most part, and we have things about us that we don't want shared with other people. We all have that one photo that we definitely don't want going out online. We have taken that privilege and that decision away from our children. We do so thinking that we just we do it out of love, we do it out of pride, we do it out of different you know uh, decision making strategies. I'm trying to figure out: is this a real problem? Is this a challenge? To me. 
it boils down to two questions. It boils down to, am I creating too much of a digital identity for my children? Am I actively, everything that you just said, am I creating their digital identity with or without their decision in this? And then second, I have concerns or questions about privacy and security for them in the future. Am I sharing photos about them that will be later used against them? Am I sharing photos that could be used to create those fake accounts that you talked about? Am I telling stories about them that might be embarrassing to them, that might hurt them 10 years down the line, or a photo that might hurt them 10 years down the line that won't allow them to get that job? These are Those are two of the big questions I have. Am I building too much of a digital identity? And then do I have concerns about privacy risk or security risk I'm giving them in the future. So let's just contextualize this conversation with some of the articles and research that we have been reading. The first piece that I read is called Instagram, Facebook, and the Perils of Sharenting, and it's from The New Yorker, and the reporter is referencing a uh, researcher, Leah Plunkett, who wrote a book called Sharenthood, Why We Should Think Before We Talk About Our Kids Online, and I'll admit I haven't read that book, but it's now on my reading list um, after doing some preliminary research here. But in this article, I learned that by the age of five, each child has an average of 15,000 photos shared online. And that blew my mind. And I don't even want to go back and count now how many photos I shared of my children or their grandparents shared of my children between zero and five. But 15,000 seems like an awful lot of data that is put out there with a child who might not even understand that things are being shared. Another uh, piece that I read was a research piece from the Emory Law Review, and it was called Sharenting uh, Children's Privacy in the Age of Social Media. And a statistic that really stuck out with me from that piece is that 92% of two-year-olds have an online presence. So by age two, there's certainly no ability to consent to having an online presence, to, to think about what a digital footprint or digital identity might be. And so maybe this is a problem that we should start to think about in terms of how we are parenting our children. And the New Yorker article suggests that this is really because parents are not making mindful choices. And the Emory Law Review article suggests that parents just don't realize that they're contributing to this digital footprint for their child. So what do you think, Ian? What's going on here? And have you read anything that might help us understand a little more about what we're doing here? It's interesting because in an earlier episode in season one, we talked about terms of use, terms of service. We spent a lot of time talking about you know, child protection laws and COPA. Uh, we talked about the age of 13 as that magical number where we use technology with kids, either at home or in school. And we see this large digital presence that's already built up at the age of two. The, the people that are listening to this that might have decided that I have never been on Facebook or I am part of the delete Facebook movement, if you ch- you're making a choice about whether or not you want to be part of Facebook, we've taken that choice away from our kids. One of the things that really stuck out to me, and we'll put all the links in the show notes, was a, a video from uh, the New York Times where it was children that were confronting their parents about sharenting. And it was a very powerful, visceral piece because I looked at the parents in the video and I could see myself, I could see my wife, I could see my family members that were just, 
we're sharing because we love you. We respect you. We want to share with family. And the, the kids were saying, you could just send them a photo. You could face, you know, you could video chat with them. You could call them. Why do you need to share this information about me? And so this makes me think about, is this, you know, where does the problem, where does the responsibility lie here? Is it solely on the parents? Is it the responsibility and the mindfulness of the parents? Is it the, is it the children? Obviously, if we're talking about a two-year-old, they don't know the risk that we're putting them through. But then later on, is it, is it the responsibility of the child to sort of confront the parent? And lastly, it makes me think a little bit more deeply about some of the legislation that we see in the uh, EU, the European Union, um, some of the legislation that we see around the world about the right to be forgotten. Should the internet have some sort of ability that we can go back and remove content if we no longer want it there? Most of the right to be forgotten legislation talks about someone had something that happened that they're embarrassed about. Like they were bankrupt. They had a company that went bankrupt decades ago, and now they want that information removed from the internet because it impedes their ability to conduct future business. But perhaps it's something a bit more simple where we made decisions about someone else and we put their content online and they were way younger than 13 years of age and that content should be removed. We should have the ability to push a button and prove that that is yours and Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or whomever else, they actively delete that and that is removed from the internet. So it's interesting that you bring that up. Stacey Steinberg in that piece in the Emory Law Journal points out that the European Union looks at um, the things being posted as data whereas the United States tends to look at social media as a speech act. Uh, So it's kind of falling under the First Amendment, free speech rights, and it's made it challenging to negotiate who owns what, whether it's free speech owned by the person putting it out or whether it's data owned by the person who it's about. And it, it gets complicated to think about how we have the right to be forgotten. And there's some pretty powerful anecdotes in that piece. Uh, we won't go into all of them, but I actually encourage people to read it. It was relatively easy reading for something published in a law journal, I thought, um, and gave some really nice anecdotes about people who have tried to be forgotten but weren't allowed to be forgotten. And And this idea that if you are in the public sphere from the time you are a child, then you are a public figure and the public has a right to know about you. So what does it mean when we are making our own children members of the public sphere? We are making them mini celebrities. Do they have the right to be forgotten later in life? We don't actually know the answers to these questions yet because the first generation of social media babies is coming of age right now. So uh, Steinberg actually says that the field has done a really good job of discussing kids creating positive digital footprints and what happens if they put some negativity out there to um, show that they are perhaps not the best person and then it comes back to, to bite them later. The field has also done a good job of researching threats from outsiders, so uh, oversharing and privacy issues and what you share in order to keep yourself safe and um, 
and not bait for um, someone who might do nefarious things. But what the field has not really done a good job of yet is looking at this issue of sharenting and what it means for the kids who have not had the choice to create that digital footprint. Uh, and particularly as they move into adulthood, and maybe a parent is writing about challenges that they had with some troubled behavior and they're really just looking to get feedback from other parents. But if that shows up in the child's digital footprint and an employer or a college uh, recruiter or someone searches and finds that, how might that impact that now adult who didn't have any choice to put that information out there uh, in their life? So the article actually ends with some solutions for us to think about in the absence of any kind of laws, because there aren't laws. We actually, as parents, have a lot of uh, rights in terms of what we share and the privacy of our own children, uh, which we know because your school is probably sending home media releases uh, for you to say, yes, my child's image can be shared, and you are required to read privacy policies and sign off on privacy policies for any apps that your children are using. But privacy policies is actually the first step in the solutions that this article recommends. And the, the thing that they say is that you actually need to read the privacy policies of each site where you are sharing, understand where the data will be going. The second thing that they recommend is setting up notifications alerts so that if your child's name ever comes up in a Google search result, you will know about it. Uh, Ian, have you done anything like this, notification alerts? I set up Google alerts for myself at some point back in the day I did it, but I have not done this for my children. I think I'm going to set it up after this. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's not something I've ever done or thought about, um, but I think I'm going to play around with it too. Do you know how to do it? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes, but there is a way to set up Google Alerts. And along with the show notes, I will share uh, there is a plugin or an extension for your browser, basically a little program that runs in your browser that will give you a very simple, easy to understand explanation of the terms of use or terms of service for different sites. So we'll share the extension you can use to get a little snippet about the terms of use and service, but then also how to set up Google alerts around your name or people or other people's names. And of course, talking about the data we are actually sharing with Google when we use some of their uh, products is a, another conversation. In this case, I kind of balance the what is the give back to me versus what data am I giving? And I'm thinking that it's probably a win for me to start setting up these notification alerts. The third thing the article suggests is that if you are posting in an online forum, like a parenting forum, where you are sharing specific stories about your children, to do that anonymously so that it can't ever be tied back to your child. The fourth is um, that they caution in ever sharing the specific location. And this is something that I have been doing for a very long time, turning off location services. Uh, when you take pictures on your cell phone, if you don't have it turned off, there's actually a geo stamp that happens in the picture that you, if you post that picture, somebody can find the geo stamp and know exactly where that picture was taken. So there are ways to disable the locations, but also just not saying it, hey, we were at we're at this park in this town and here is my child with their first name and we're celebrating their birthday on this day in a post like that we've just given so much information and even though we think that we are bound in our own private group 
we have to understand that anyone in that group can take that information and share it and think about a grandparent, like I, I said earlier in the podcast, not out of malice, but just out of they are proud as well and want to share with their networks. Um, so we just need to be careful in sharing locations. And that's a, a safety issue. One of the things, I mean, real quickly on that, one of the things we have to always, we cannot assume uh, the best intent from others online. You know, we we believe in I'm just sharing this with family and friends and this is this is harmless. I have nothing to hide. We can no longer assume when we interact online that everyone else is there, uh, you know, of goodwill and they don't have bad intent. We can no longer assume that for ourselves and especially for our children. Such an important point, and there's actually a couple of anecdotes in this article about people who shared images of their children and then learned that someone who gave them a like that they didn't even know, maybe they were a friend of a friend or something like that, depending on settings, uh, started using that profile picture of this person's child as and representing the child as her own child. <laughs> so she kind of kidnapped, digitally kidnapped this child um, and represented the child as her own. And there were several other anecdotes of you just, you don't know where this information is going or who can hack it or who can, can take the images and information. Number five suggestion from the article is something that I think is really easy to implement. You just have to have a little self-control and that is to give veto power. So you don't want to just um, post things up there, perhaps, without asking your children's permission. And the YouTube video that you referenced, Ian, actually had a pretty young child who was pushing back against her mother saying, just ask me if it's okay. Let me give permission. Let me give veto power. Another one of the, the teenagers in that video, her mother actually pushed back and said, well, you know, no, like I want, this is my life. And she said something to the effect of, if it's not on Insta, it didn't really happen. <laughs> so the mother's perception is I want to share my life and this is how I'm documenting my life. And you happen to be a part of that. And, and there was this interesting back and forth, but I think they ultimately came to the, if something is bothering you, I'll take it down. So that's the veto power that, that happened in that family. Or like I've implemented with my kids, I ask first. And if they say no, no matter how much I want to share it with everybody, I just, I can't put it up there. I like the permission and the veto power. It's when when we publish things, you know, I have a, a, a journal article coming out. And when we publish, if we have other people's content or photos, we have to get their permission to share that or else it's not going out online. I'm wondering why technology, you know, these spaces cannot give us that functionality, that ability to say, you know, it scans the photo and says, oh, this looks like a minor. Do you have permission to share this? Interesting, interesting concept. The next uh, suggestion they have is to consider uh, whether you are posting pictures of your children in any state of undress. And I think that goes including uh, bathing suits. So there were some interesting anecdotes about how pictures that were not pornographic in any way, but may have shown a child in some state of undress were taken, doctored, and then put on um, sites where we wouldn't want our children to be showing up at all. And those, those pictures are a lot easier to doctor if the child is already in some state of undress. Uh, and finally, the seventh suggestion that they have is that everything we post 
We need to think about the effects on the current and future sense of well-being of our child. So not just our child today, like what is their well-being? Well, they're two years old, this isn't affecting them at all. But think about when they are 13 and that picture of them learning to potty train gets shared around um, because somebody showed another 13-year-old. Or when they are applying for a job in their 20s and something that you shared might not be the most flattering thing. How are they gonna feel about that? How is it going to impact who they are as an individual and both their digital identity, but also their actual identity? So that's what they say. Ian, any other suggestions? My big takeaways are, are, I have a couple big ones. One is to be more thoughtful about what I share about my children. Do I share it or not? Another one of my big takeaways from this is one of the common threads that we have in all of this is conversation with my children to start to have dialogue with them and figure out what their thoughts and feelings are about this, what are their expectations, start up that dialogue and continue that dialogue with them. I'm also going to set up alerts to see if and when things pop up in online uh, about my children, just add their names in and see if things pop up about them. And lastly, I think this is an opportunity for us to go back in to our different social networks and see what permissions we give those networks and see the photos. Earlier this year, I took some time and I went through my Facebook account and I did so last week as well. And I downloaded a lot of the photos that they had of me and and my, and my history with Facebook. I downloaded those for my safekeeping and I deleted them or removed them from Facebook. Yes, they're already online, but I feel like Facebook doesn't be- doesn't deserve to have those photos anymore. I've done the same thing with Facebook and gone in and changed all of the information and asked about me. Yes, it keeps nagging me saying, well, did you go to this school or work at this institution? I no longer answer those. So I'm, I, I think it's also an opportunity to look back at our different social networks and spaces and those footprints that we've left behind and figure out, what do we not think do these spaces deserve our information and our attention and maybe we sort of like collect that information and take it back all right so i'm going to encourage everyone listening that the next time you want to post some information or a picture about your child just take a pause and say am i sharenting right now am i about to sharent and then think about whether you want to consciously do that or whether you want to just have a conversation with your child about what you're posting online and, and maybe give them veto power So we hope that this was an informative and interesting conversation, and I look forward to chatting with you next time, Ian. Absolutely. Thanks again. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Now I can get back to watching my videos. Take the pellet out.